0: Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Fatal Fortunes. I'm Al. I'm Nathan. Join us for a deep dive into some of history's most fascinating characters who live dangerously beautiful lives and whose legacies haunt us today. Welcome to the first episode of Fatal Fortunes of 2022. You know, it's our podcast anniversary tomorrow. It is wow. the um, one-year anniversary of this Aww. little, this ye old podcast. Um, and go to our website, FatalFortunes.com, to check out a little blog post I made with um, all of the stats, the statistics. That is the word I'm looking for. Um, Nathan stats. and I are recording together for the first time,
1: I was supposed to say, one year anniversary, first episode of twenty twenty two, and I think the first in person ever.
0: Ever right? ever yeah. Mm. And I got my poster. Everybody, I oh, got yeah. my poster.
1: It, I took a peek at it. It does look pretty cool. It does. Yeah. Dope. No. It's the it's the one of her sobbing, you know. So how could you go wrong?
0: Oh my god, that movie was so bad, and it kind of defeated me with movies because I had like gotten back into going to movies like right before, of course, Miss Omi Crone. Yeah. Um, came came to sunday brunch and um yeah and then all my friends said house of gucci is bad and licorice pizza was bad about
1: bo- both of those yeah
0: yeah so people were telling me this was bad so and then of course we saw spencer and bad so
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah oh well but yeah Maybe we're here year. at my um cabin in the woods law school has announced that they are going online for the first week so um woo!
1: Yeah, that turns out.
0: Ch-ch-ch-changes. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, our first guest is, um, not guest. Subject. Our first subject is ye old Jeff Buckley.
1: Ye old. He didn't make it very old, unfortunately. Yeah. But he was born in 1966, and I can tell you what was happening in 1966. There's a coup in Central, in the Central African Republic. I bet the U.S. had a hand in that one if we did some digging. We could dig. I'm going to dig later. The uh, Tashkent Declaration was signed ending Pakistani and Indian hostilities. Julian Bond was not allowed to take his seat in the Georgia House of Representatives because of his anti-war stance. Eventually he was seated and then went on to be the chairman of the NAACP. So, Yay! Fuck you for not seating me. Several coups in Nigeria. Because
0: I, when I was doing the research for this, I wrote, okay, coup in Nigeria. And then there was another one. So, okay, I oh wrote couple coups in Nigeria. <laughs> then I just had to go several.
1: Yeah. I'll have to do some digging on that one, too, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: UK stops trading with Rhodesia. Soviet Luna 9 lands on the moon. I didn't even know they did that. Wow. They did that. Incredible. Uh, the Vietnam War is happening, and Johnson says he won't pull out... Uh, Al, your wording has to be better on that one, but yeah, Johnson sucks with war too, as did Taft and many other presidents. Um, there's a coup in Ghana, man. There are coups it's all a, over it's Africa. It's a
0: bad, it's a bad year for it's, coups. They just, bro. it just
1: keeps happening. Yeah. And
0: I didn't even write like anyone who was born this year died this year because I was like, I bet there's it's just a lot too of much. I love.
1: Yeah, um, Flintstones ends until they make a movie of it with John Goodman. Um, Daylight Savings starts? You gotta be kidding me. It was that recent? Yep. I don't know why I was always told it was, like, farmer people. I know that's a lie now, but crazy that it was that recent. Miranda writes, start. Uy. Uh, France no, leaves. No, why, why, No, No, because that means that up until that point, there oh. weren't any. Oh, So yay, it's, yay, like, yay, bad yay. that there weren't any until that point. Yeah. Sorry. I did not clarify that, <laughs> <laughs> Um, France leaves NATO, Malawi becomes a republic, there's a coup in Burundi, oh my god, and LSD becomes illegal. What a bunch of idiots who illegally tested on American citizens just years prior, and then they were like, actually, this isn't safe. Yeah, no. As they do with most drugs.
0: Yeah, I feel like drugs are hard enough to be on, that not knowing you're on them. Yeah, it was bad. Oh my god, one-way ticket to like... Years of, like, trauma.
1: That guy fell out a window, or jumped out a window.
0: Oh, yeah. Manhattan Project, right?
1: Uh, no, MKUltra. There we go. The other M.
0: Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Ooh, I wonder when they're going to declassify all that stuff.
1: Maybe in her lifetime, but oh, so I don't know. JFK stuff is We still... could do an
0: episode about the JFK stuff they declassified.
1: Oh, have mm-hmm. I don't even think yeah, I Yeah, it was a recent
0: it. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Well,
1: speaking of cases and classifications, the... Maxwell case is over.
0: Oh my god, yeah, we were And I was
1: wrong. I was dead wrong. <laughs> She's guilty on Didn't out of 5, I say five 98% out of 6.
0: 8% conviction rate?
1: And that is, you know, with the math, 5 out of 6, it's pretty close. It's pretty close.
0: Yep. There's some good ones born in 1966. It's John Benjamin. Voice mm-hmm. of Bob's mm-hmm. Burgers and Archer.
1: He's great at uh jazz album too. He
0: has a jazz album? Yeah.
1: He can't play piano at all. It's awesome. It's, like, so funny. That's annoying. Okay.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Janet Jackson? I did not know Janet Jackson. I don't know. I don't even want to say that young, that old. Like, ooh. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who mm. I think is super cute. Also born that year. Um, Mike Tyson. Nice. Let's see. Who died? Who did not make it? Oh, my God. It goes through all the photos being in color to, like, the deaths they are all in black and white.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Haven't heard of him. Haven't heard of him. Oh, Buster Keaton.
1: Oh, RIP to a king.
0: Yeah. The only person in Hollywood who, like, hasn't been ruined in, like, what?
1: Yeah, he was just goofy. Yeah. I think. He was just a quirky little guy.
0: Watch us, like, watch someone comment, like, hey, Buster Keaton actually actually did. (laughs) Buster Keaton
1: was the first school shooter.
0: Actually, yeah, exactly. Wow. Oh, we lost Evelyn Waugh. How do you say Evelyn Waugh? Evelyn War?
1: I don't know who that is.
0: The guy who um, wrote this book I'm listening to on audiobook called. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Now I have to click it. Yeah. Now I have to click it. He wrote "Brideshead Revisited," which I'm. He wrote what? To. "Brideshead Revisited." Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's you know post World War One kind of doobie. Walt Disney. Oh, good.
1: Walt Disney. Thank God he's gone.
0: That's when they froze Walt Disney.
1: Yeah.
0: What are you drinking tonight, Nathan?
1: I'm having Robot Crush for my work. What about you?
0: Um, I have a Black Cherry High Noon. Yeah. Just a little roll of the <laughs> swivel chair away. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But we're not here to talk about any of those crazy things we just mentioned or any of those people. We are here to talk about ye old Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley was born in Anaheim, California, and he was the only son of Mary Gubert and folk artist Tim Buckley. His mother was a Zonian of mixed Greek, French, and Panamanian descent. Um, I did a little deep sidetrack into what a Zonian is because I've never heard that term before. And basically, they are people who lived in the Panama Canal zone, mm. which existed only in the 20th century. And many of them were descendants of American citizens who had gone in the earlier part of the century to uh, build the canal. John McCain is among some one of the people born in the zone. The and zone. The zone. It sounds
1: so ominous.
0: And you know what? That really pissed me off. I remember being like 12 years old and Obama got elected in 08 and then being mm. like, Obama's not a U.S. citizen. Right. yeah.
1: Show us For your being birth.
0: born in Hawaii. Right, I know. You showed us your birth certificate is not good enough. And I was like, no one said any of that about John McCain, no. who deaf-born, not in America.
1: He was born in the zone? Yes. Get the fuck out of here. Yes.
0: Yes. And I don't, whoever's going to come at me and being like, oh, uh, it's technically U.S. territory, so he's, John McCain, the citizen, don't worry about it. Okay, but we didn't make the same big deal that we made about it for Obama, who was born in Hawaii, which I'm pretty sure was a state when Barack Hussein Obama was born. I think so. So that was my little um, deep dive into what a Zonian is. And, you know, some of them consider themselves to be Panamanian and American. But it's, you know, it's a very narrow class of individuals. So that's where Jeff Buckley comes. That's maybe why he's got such thick, beautiful eyebrows. Mm. He's got a little Greek going on. He's got a little Panama going on. And, well, his father is, um, you know, pretty vanilla. He is of uh, Irish and Italian-American descent. And his parents, they met in French class in high school. They were high school sweethearts. They got married uh, the month before Jeff was born. Um, Apparently they got married because she was pregnant and then she wasn't pregnant. So then he left to find out she was pregnant. Um, Typical teenager stuff. So, Jeff ended up being raised by his mother and stepfather, Ron Moorhead, in Southern California. He had a half-brother named Cory. Buckley moved many times in and around Orange County, California. And while growing up, he described later his upbringing as, um, rudeless trailer trash. Sounds like a TLC show. And, you know, as a child, Jeff was actually not Jeff at all. He was named Scott Scotty Moorhead based on his middle name and his father his stepfather's last name. Tim remarried and adopted his second wife, Judy's son, in 1970. And after his father died in 1975, Scotty finally saw his birth certificate and decided to go by his first name, Jeff. Tim Buckley, we said uh, before, he's a folk artist. And uh, Jeff, he had only met this father of his once when his mother took him to see one of his father's shows and then he stayed with him for a week after that, basically. She said, here's the kid. I'll come back. And that's the week he spent with his father. He was not invited to the funeral, unfortunately. And um, Jeff said of not being invited to his father's funeral that it nodded him and it prompted him to pay his respects by performing I Never Asked to Be Your Mountain in 1991 at a memorial tribute to Buckley in Brooklyn. And this was his public singing debut.
1: Yeah, I remember reading about that. And um, I guess I missed the, you know, Tragedy of him not really knowing his father,
0: and but people that concert him, to him all the time.
1: That concert really did like start it all for him. I think yeah, that's that's really nice that he had. Uh,
0: and he was saying, of course, at that tribute show, closure. it was like a tribute show for his father. So everyone was saying, "I was a really big fan of your dad." Would you think and he was like he abandoned me? Yeah, I don't think. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I hope that that uh, concert got him some closure because it definitely yeah. started his career. Yeah, so Buckley was brought up around music as we said you know father was a musician so maybe it was in his blood but his mother uh, was also a musician classically trained pianist and cellist his stepfather that he lived with uh, introduced him to led zeppelin queen Jimi hendrix the who at a very early age led zeppelin's physical graffiti was the first album he ever owned and at the age of twelve, he decided to become a musician and received his first electric guitar, a black Les Paul. At the age of thirteen,
0: do you know what a Les Paul is? I don't know.
1: It's a really famous kind of guitar. I think it's those ones that have like the little bit of uh you know white strip on it, like it's one solid color, and then where the f- uh, frets are at the bottom. I don't. I'm don't know guitars, so I'm probably saying. Horrible words, but I'm going to look up a, <laughs> a, a picture of a Les Street Paul right now just to make sure. Yes, it is what I'm thinking. It looks like that. Oh, pretty. Right? Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put Big a Big guitar for in. a little kid. It could be. I hope it was properly sized. But he went to, uh, how do you say this? Lo- Loara High? Loara. Loara High. Loara. Also in Anaheim, uh, which you said you checked once had the biggest ib program in orange county and now has no ib program at all what is ib
0: international baccalaureate what is that it is the exam that they take in europe so you can also take that program here oh interesting. and it's just like a different way of doing high school you know how like in england they have like the gcse and the a levels and the o levels
1: i don't know any it's about just... those levels but sure sorry that's okay I guess that's why he went on around to, to Europe so much. Did he participate in these programs?
0: I have no idea. Dude. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know, I don't hey, know.
1: maybe he did. Maybe he knew some people. Um, while he was there, though, he was in jazz band. After high school, he moved to Hollywood and did one year, uh, a one-year course at the Musicians Institute, which didn't have any graduates that you had heard of. I mean, I probably I probably don't know if I'd heard of any either. That sounds like a very obscure, I've never heard of the Musicians Institute. But in 1994, he told Rolling Stone that his year in high school, um, or that school, was a waste of time. Buckley spent the next six years working in a hotel, playing guitar in various struggling bands, uh, and playing in styles from jazz, reggae, and roots to uh, rock and roll and he- heavy metal. He he toured with the dance hall reggae artist Shinehead, and throughout this period, Buckley limited singing to backing vocals. He moved to New York City in February of 1990, but found very few opportunities to work as a musician. It's not an easy time to, uh, yeah, be coming up in New York, although is any time a good time to come up in New York. Was it ever? Tammany Hall was a
0: great time, I bet, if you were in Tammany Hall.
1: When was that? Like...
0: Robber Baron era? 1880s-ish? Yeah. That's the time to come up in New York and now it's, it's
1: too all late. over. It's
0: too late now. It's too late.
1: He was introduced to Qawwali, the Sufi devotional music of India and Pakistan, and to Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan.
0: He did so good.
1: One of its best-known singers. Uh, Buckley moved back to Los Angeles in September when his father's former manager, Herb Cohen, offered to help him record his first demo of original songs. Buckley completed Babylon Dungeon Sessions, so this was a four-song cassette. On subsequent trips to New York in mid-1991, Buckley began co-writing with Gary Lucas, resulting in the songs Grace and Mojo Pin, and by late 1991, he began performing with Lucas's band Gods and Monsters around New York City. After being offered a development deal as a member of Gods and Monsters at Imago Records, Buckley moved back to New York to the Lower East Side at the end of 1991. The day after Gods and Monsters officially debuted in March 1992, he decided to leave the band.
0: So dramatic. Yeah,
1: that's kind of a fancy exit he got there. Yeah. He first appeared at Cine, uh, which is a cafe, ...in April of 1992... ...and quickly earned a regular Monday night slot there. His repertoire consisted of a diverse range of folk, rock, R&B, blues, and jazz cover songs. Much of it, music he had newly learned. Over the next few months, Buckley attracted admiring crowds and attention from record label executives. Industry maven Clive Davis even dropped by to see him. By the summer of 1992... Limos from executives eager to sign the singer lined the street outside Sine. Can you imagine? In New York City? Yeah. Lining limos? Only for like a movie premiere? For a cafe? No. Not at all.
0: What they sell it in there.
1: Good music, apparently. <laughs> they, got, they got some good music. Hopefully some good drinks. So Jeff is now officially signed to Columbia through all these executives coming in and seeing him, and he starts to record his first album um, with the deal that he signed in mid-1993. He's got producer Andy Wallace and Matt Johnson on drums, Mick Grondahl on bass, um, and they're both local New York music- musicians. They recorded it in Woodstock, to be precise, and spent about six weeks in the studio there. Buckley then returned to record overdubs and additional instruments in studios in Manhattan and New Jersey, very much a perfectionist. And in January of the following year, Jeff starts to perform again in order to gain uh, some traction for the album and also to get some money going. This string of performances across North America allows him to release an EP called Live at Cine. Following that tour, he went across to Europe for a 10-day stretch in March in clubs and coffee houses. Buckley waits a little longer to start promoting the album he recorded in Woodstock, and he does this in a, a thing called Peyote Radio Theater Tour, and these shows lasted all summer till the end of August. So on August 23rd, 1994, that album, Grace, is finally released. It didn't initially garner a lot of sales or praise, and radio plays were also pretty low, but... The Sydney Morning Herald loved it, called it a romantic masterpiece, and the album went on to go gold in Australia and France. It wasn't until 2002 that it went gold in the U.S., so that's kind of sad, but they loved it over there in Australia, and 2006 was the year that Grace went six times platinum in Australia, so they really, really, really love him there. After the release, it was time to promote the album, and um, he went everywhere.
0: The tour for Grace, after its release, lasted for about a year and a half, and it started in the United Kingdom. The band also went to Ireland days after Grace's release, and then they also went to Scandinavia. By that time, it was September, and they went on to Germany, and then finally to Paris. They got to spend a little bit of time in Europe, and then they went back to New York for a longer break. On October 19th, 1994, the next leg of the tour began, and they played at the legendary CBGBs. They go all over the place, both coasts, the Midwest, Canada, and that stint ends in Hoboken, New Jersey. Yeah,
1: baby, back to New Jersey.
0: There's another month of rest, and they are back out on the road. They start in Dublin, that sounds awesome, and then they have a little tour in London and Paris as well. By now, it is uh, 1995, and in late January, they head to Japan! They're busy promoting the uh, Japanese release of the song, The Last Goodbye, and a quick music fact about Japan and their reasoning for having these exclusive tracks.
1: I was really confused as to why. They'd ha- yeah, had a lot those. of
0: bands have exclusive tracks in Japan.
1: And I learned that a lot of times it's cheaper to be buying CDs um, imported from Europe and from the U.S. than it is to give it, uh, get all these domestic copies from Japan. So in order to incentivize people to get the domestic version that artists fully release, they'll uh, release a single that will only be available in Japan. And it's like a little teaser. So it's a pretty interesting way of doing business, but... That, I'm sure, happens in other countries, too. I, I didn't do any more research, but definitely that's why they do it in Japan. Also, uh, that, that song is really good, Last Goodbye. And I wouldn't have heard it because I didn't even know it existed um, until doing this research. Fun! So, so the band returns to Europe in February and the tour around the western part um, of Europe. And notably, they get some recordings at a couple of venues in France, the Bataclan was the venue where he recorded an EP released in October, naturally called "Live from the Bataclan." No. I know, right? Wow. They're really smart with these titles. In Rotterdam, also, he had a promotional-only CD called "So Real," um, and this was from a performance there.
0: Have you been to Rotterdam?
1: I went once. Did you go with me? Did we all go together?
0: Did
1: we went together. We we're, were at the museum, and uh, they showed us the shelter, and
0: and then you went to Belgium.
1: I went to Belgium and yeah, I hopped we on a train. I, yeah, I went on a train and did not buy a ticket accidentally. What was so
0: funny is I wasn't going on anywhere. I just, like, had a little tiny backpack and someone was like, is that your bag for the whole weekend? I was like, no. Uh, I'm going back. What do you think I bring? Panties only? Like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> a mini cankin for the whole weekend. Yeah. Yep. Of you can, course.
1: You can stretch that out a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, that was in Rotterdam that he did that. The band then returned to the U.S. again on March 6th. I'm exhausted just talking about all of this um, because they're just going all over the place. And they did usually take breaks, but still.
0: Club, sleep, club, bus, another club. Concert, job, no sleep. sleep.
1: Um, Now it's April. And, you know, it's been that month-long break, so they do a few more U.S. shows until June, where they go uh, back to Europe. They're going back. For summer music festivals for June and July. Notably in that tour, uh, he filled the Paris Olympia for two nights. This was like a venue made famous by Edith Piaf. So that was a huge deal for them. Queen. This performance would be released also by Sony in pairing with a performance at the Festival of Sacred Music of What Will You Say? with Alim Kazimov, an Azerbaijani Mugham singer. A bit Interesting. of a yeah. I don't. I had to do a little research about Mugum, but
0: Something it's like a like style. Azerbaijan, yes. Yeah,
1: and yeah, that was at that festival of sacred music that they they did that cover. A bit of a break now on their tour until the end of August, where the band goes back to Australia on a tour called Mystery White Boy. Apparently, this is just a reference to Buckley not using his real name for the tour. So obviously, Australia.
0: Ah. Ha. Loved
1: him, I know, Not right? Not the
0: Jeff Buckley tour, Mystery White Boy It's Mystery White
1: Boy, because, yeah, he might as well be. But Australians love him. Um, and he planned to do another extended tour the following year, in 1996, in February, covering both Australia and New Zealand this time, too. They really love him down under.
0: Imagine an artist being able to enter New Zealand ever again.
1: I think they can do it. You think they'll just, get, you think they'll get enough boosters. That? Yeah, this will be fine. You know what I think might be fun? Sorry, sidetrack. You're fine.
0: Starting, like, the ring that imports Chinese cigarettes to New Zealand now that they've, like, made cigarettes illegal. In China? No, in New Zealand. I didn't even know they did that. Yeah. why they do that? She assigned, like, some new law that said, like, everyone born today (laughs) will never (laughs) smoke. So I wonder how lucrative... (laughs) That's a good impression for
1: her. Thank you. <laughs> the band returns after that mystery white boy tour in 1995, and Buckley goes back to playing solo at Sine again. Fun. He also played at the Mercury Lounge on New Year's Eve. Happy anniversary to that performance, like, 26 years ago.
0: When we were going to record this. We were going to record it first. on
1: the New Year. We were going to have it out. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Oh, well... Unfortunately, there were a lot of tensions between Jeff and the drummer Matt Johnson. And because of this, the last show Matt played with them was on March uh, March 1st, 1996. So that was after that Australia and New Zealand tour that they did. And now that they're without a drummer, the band is forced to pause, and they didn't perform again until
0: 1997.
1: That sucks. The rest of the year of 1996... Buckley was just worn out from the pressure of touring.
0: Of club. I club wonder mother, why. Club, no yeah. Airplane, boat. It's just too boss. much
1: for people to do. So he stays away from the stage for pretty much the whole year, returning solo in December, playing cafes across the Northeast. All these shows he uses fake names. Here are a few of those. The Crack Robats, Possessed by Elves, Father Demo, The Half Speeds, Topless America... He said as justification for this, There was a time in my life not too long ago when I could show up in a cafe and simply do what I do, make music, learn from performing my music, explore what it means to me, i.e. have fun while I irritate and or entertain an audience who don't know me or what I'm about. In this situation, I have this precious and irreplaceable luxury of failure, of risk, of surrender. I worked very hard to get this kind of thing together. This work for him. I loved it, and then I missed it when it disappeared. All I am doing is reclaiming it.
0: What do you feel about that? Because I have feelings about that.
1: I feel it like it makes sense, because now he's garnered some success. But also, it's like, only to a degree. He's still playing in coffee houses. I don't think he would be playing other places. You know, he does festivals when he wants to in Europe, but... It is kind of nice for people to know your name in that regard to make money. But I also, I also hear what he's saying about wanting to remain anonymous and like no one's ever seen him before. It's a cool feeling. Yeah.
0: I don't feel that bad for him, to be honest, though. In my mind, I'm kind of like, you went to the crossroads and sold your fucking soul so that you could be the musician you always wanted to be. And yeah. now you're mad about the consequences? Like, you can't tell me you didn't think about them. You've been wanting to be a musician, musician. musician yeah. since you were 12 years old.
1: Yeah, especially, Especially, like like I said, playing playing at the huge festivals, that's on purpose. purpose. Like, we can't feel sorry for him for that.
0: Yeah. We can feel sorry for Avicii, though. (sighs) (laughs) R.I.P. Fatal fortune. Ooh, we haven't done someone who died in the 21st century in a while. So Jeff has recuperated a little bit. He's finally ready to record that second album. So the band flew down from New York to Memphis, Tennessee. So that same night that all of his people are coming down to Memphis, he goes down to Wolf River Harbor with his friend Keith Fody. And they're hanging out, listening to Led Zeppelin, of course, when suddenly Jeff goes into the water, fully dressed, boots and all, singing a whole lot of love. I wonder if they'd be like, copyright claim, you say whole lot of love in the tones that it's supposed to be in.
1: You have perfect pitch, and now Universal Music Group is coming
0: after you. <laughs> Keith looks away for a second to grab the radio and the guitar out of the way of a wave that was made by a passing tugboat. And then when he looks up, Jeff is nowhere to be seen. He was pulled under the water by the tugboats. Yeah. I don't know. Forces. Rescue teams, you know, they work to find Jeff through the night. His bandmates who had just arrived in Tennessee, they joined the search. They said it was really traumatic to like see all of the like helicopter lights beaming down at them. Crazy, crazy time. Five days later, however, they find uh, Jeff's body uh, on June 4th. Passengers of the American Queen Riverboat see him um, on the shore of the river. There were no drugs or alcohol in his system, so he got into um, that river with his boots on on purpose. So his official cause of death was uh, accidental drowning. Locals say they would have never gone into the water like that, even though um, it looked shallow uh, the waters are not as safe or as calm as they seem.
1: That's so sad that, that it's an accidental drowning. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you can't blame it on any substances. I actually just saw the just other day stupidity. this PSA from Australia, of all places, about drinking and drowning. The Whoa. whole campaign was, like, don't drink and drown. And it was a terrifying PSA.
0: Oh, my God. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. I can right. already envision it. I yeah, can already picture it. It was so it.
1: scary. Uh, I know the
0: dangers, Australian okay? PSAs
1: are messed up. There was one that they had about not skipping school, and these kids went to a beach that ended up being a minefield. And they, like, what? all died. Australia's diff- everything there wants to kill you, even their PSAs.
0: Oh. Oh.
1: After his death, a lot of musicians are writing tribute pieces, and here are just a few of those artists. you got Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Elizabeth Frazier of the Cocteau Twins, Rufus Wainwright, Bono, wow. Even Lana Del Rey cites him as an influence. Problematic queen. Gotta love her. And he really only had that one full-length LP grace out. So after his death, there were a lot of demos that were floating around. This eventually coalesced into sketches for my sweetheart, the drunk. Uh, Again, this album got gold in Australia really quickly. Boom! In the same year it was released, 1998. And three more albums were released, composed of live recordings. And there were so many documentaries on him made. A lot of TV programs from Europe also covered his life. And ten years after his passing, countries around the world celebrated his music Um, including, of course, Australia, Canada, France, Iceland, Ireland, and the U.S. These were events sometimes organized by and sometimes attended by Buckley's family members. In 2015, Sony was digging around for the 20th anniversary of Grace when they found old studio recordings from 1993 of mostly other artists performing covers and these old covers were compiled into an album called You and I. It features Bob Dylan's on it, Sly and the Family Stone, and of course it's got Jeff. And as I said before, so many artists have been inspired and continue to be inspired by him, including Muse, Adele, Eddie Vedder, even Radiohead. And finally, something we can look out for, there's a biopic on his life that started filming this past fall. It's going to be director... Orion Williams is first, so we'll be on the lookout for that.
0: That we should go see in theaters.
1: Yeah. Hopefully it's better than Spencer.
0: Matinee. Matinee on a rainy day. Yes. Bucket of popcorn we make our other friend pay for. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be fun. Because in my research, I found that like all of the documentaries on him were like very 2002. Mm. And I thought that he was you know bigger than that.
1: He's so. definitely had... Some more impact than that. Yeah. That's the end.
0: Yeah. So there's been another episode of Fatal Fortunes. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, we are working on some guests. hmm Oh, I wonder if we're going to do another episode in person. I bet the world's going to end before we get to... Probably, yeah. Yeah. Lily Elb, the Danish girl, is next.
1: Oh, God. I don't want to watch that Eddie Redmayne, Redmayne movie. movie.
0: You know where I saw that movie for the first time?
1: Where? Oh, oh it's... Ah, uh, I know exactly. Yeah, I know
0: exactly where you saw it. Yeah, oh my God, maybe that could be our thing. In yeah. honor of watching the Danish Girl, we eat empanadas, some buffalo chicken empanadas, mm-hmm. just to recreate the setting as it was for me when that movie came out, in like 2013.
1: I'm not watching the Danish Girl, but I'll do it for the episode. I'll eat empanadas for the episode.
0: Oh, and we got a huge thing of kombucha that we did not try on camera, but I guess we'll record Nathan drinking from this huge bottle of kombucha. Not from the bottle, no. Just for your, the entertainment shock value. Oh okay. god. Um, but yeah, this has been another episode of Fatal Fortunes. Thank you so much for checking us out. Um, you can become a subscriber where there's subscriber-only episodes. Content you can only see there. Check us out on Patreon for, you know, unedited episodes and that same content that you would get as a subscriber. And, you know, this has been an interesting first record person-to-person. It's like, oh, my God, where's the screen? Oh, my God! Oh, my God! We get high-five at the end! Holy shit!
1: There you
0: go. Oh, that is so funny. But yeah, thank you guys so much for Sunny. listening. We are so excited for what's going to go down in 2022! Down in the DMs, in the FF, in the Fatal Fortunes in 2022. <laughs> Bye!